Hello and welcome to Game Over Vancouver. I am your host for the night. I am Samantha. You can find me on Twitter at SamanthaCP underscore. And I am joined by my go-to guest, recurring friend of the show, Lachlan, at Lock in the Crease. Uh, make sure you go follow him. He does doing some great work for Canucks Army lately and just, uh, just an all-around great follow. How are you doing tonight, oh. Lachlan? Thank you so much. I'm doing I'm doing as well as I can, uh, considering the fact that the Canucks are definitely on their way to finishing 12th to last in the National Hockey League this year. And I am joined uh, by my go-to well, guest. It is what it is. I mean, you can't hate them for winning, but yeah, yeah, it's they're they're they are they're doing you know what? They're doing exactly what we all thought they were, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Canucks win 5-2 over the Ottawa Senators tonight. Andre Kuzmenko with two goals. JT Miller with another shorthanded goal. Uh, and they are... Is this their longest win streak of the season? They This is their fourth win? Fourth I consecutive win? I think it is. I think it is their longest win streak. I think, well, I think up until this point, they had not even been able to string together two in a row. I think that was the, the longstanding issue. Like I, or no, or no more, not than more two. than two. Yeah. I think that was the, I think that was the, 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 uh, the, the bar they had to clear. Um, and oh, good. they've done it. They've done they've it at done it. just the best time to do it. <laughs> yeah. The Canucks connects with their fourth straight win. Um, before we get into it, going to shout out our sponsor, uh, sports interaction want to bet then get in on the action at sports interaction the boys of summer are back on the diamond and march madness is on deck bet pre-game live and play or on one of our many prop bets sports interaction makes it easy to deposit play and cash out head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn or in ontario download the app now using the qr code at the bottom of the screen 19 plus please play responsibly all right let's let's get into it what uh <sighs> What was the highlight of this scintillating Canucks Senators game for you? Ooh, I mean, I would have said up until the I was real. I mean, up until uh, Patrick Johnson definitely jinxed jinxed him. Uh, no, <laughs> he didn't. But I'm gonna blame him anyway. Um, uh, jinxing Thatcher Demko's shutout there right at the very end. Um, I think you gotta. I think. I mean, I think the there's you know there's a the Dakota Joshua play that ended up being Nils Amon's goal like that yeah. little that little just deke right to the front of the net that uh that gave them the three nothing lead that was gorgeous um but overall I think that's yeah, probably Andre Kuzmenko I know Kuzmenko was a big talking point on Twitter after he scored he ended up with uh two goals on the night including an empty netter I mean hey man like he's he's looking great he's looking great like there he has not he hasn't lost a step all season there has not been a point where he's hit kind of the the rookie lull and I know he's not technically a standard NHL rookie but for the most part throughout this season like he's been very consistent and that's that's huge for a team that's you know struggled so much with consistency especially from their forwards so you're telling me you'd rather have Kuzmenko than the late first round pick <laughs> I am I'll, now now hold on I, I'm not necessarily here's the thing I, I first of all 
considering that the Canucks had two first overall first round picks, they could have had both is the, is the funny part about that whole conversation, I think. Um, but at the same time, I will like, just to kind of throw my two cents into the ring here. The issue with the issue with Kuzmenko has never been about him or about, uh, or about even like his contract. Like I think when I, when they announced his contract extension at the time, I, what I wrote about at the time was there is nothing wrong with the player. There's nothing wrong with the contract. It's totally team friendly, totally a nice thing to have. The issue is completely has really nothing to do with him. And so much as the issue of what are the odds that within those next two years of Kuzmenko's contract, that the Canucks are going to be not only in the playoffs, but a like serious threat to win because, and if you're, they're not going to be a serious threat to win the Stanley cup in the time that he's here, what is really the value in holding on to him? Like we saw that with um, like the Red Wings a couple years ago with uh, where Steve Eiserman traded Anthony Mantha, who was a great player for the Red Wings at the time, but they moved him because they were like, well, the timeline just doesn't add up. Like he's, we're clearly not going to be competitive while he's in his peak, uh, his peak years. So there's not really a good reason to keep him around. We might as well trade him now while he's at his highest value. So, and that was kind of the thing with Kuzmenko. Like it wasn't an absolute must move, make deal per se, but I mean, yeah, like you got to ask yourself the question sometimes, like how serious a contender are they going to really be within Kuzmenko's window through no fault of his own? I think he can, he's going to be great throughout the next few years. But that's kind of where I'm looking at it from. Uh, we are sorry. I'm getting hardcore trolled by Brock McGillis in the chat. I can, I can see that. Hi, Brock. Brock says 20 game winning streak. If you all follow, actually do do this. Um, Brock is, as many of you know, the founder and intrepid leader of uh, the Alphabet Sports Collective. So go follow ABCS Collective. He says, if you follow all of the accounts, the Canucks will make the second round of the playoffs, which is frankly more than the Toronto Maple Leafs can say. That's that's very true. Uh, I I do follow ABC ABCS Collective already, so uh, yeah, you, you got to follow you... it. There was an amazing launch event on Thursday night that I sadly had to miss. I'm still very salty about it, which is why I'm like extra upset that Brock is here trolling me when I couldn't even make it to the party. Um, <laughs> But if you follow all the accounts, you can see the highlights of what happened at this party. It looked awesome. Yeah, it It looked looked awesome. Yeah. Um, Speaking of looking great, JT Miller, looking great lately. And I know that's like words that have never crossed my lips this season. (laughs) Because (laughs) I've been on a a strong anti-JT Miller slant, but he has looked more like the JT Miller of the past two seasons lately than, than the JT Miller of earlier this season. What, what are your thoughts on his resurgence? I mean, yeah, I think I forget who, I think it was, uh, uh, it was, uh, my good friend Wyatt Arndt who made the, the point of, Hey, it's interesting how suddenly, how suddenly all, uh, you know, any, uh, issue with JT Miller's play disappears when he's playing it when he's playing the way that he is right now and it's like yeah like that's to, like because because yeah like there there's never been like a lot of people seem to think it was a very like when some of us including myself were you know taking issue with the way that miller was playing early on the season that it was like a personal vendetta thing it's but it, it's not it's just about hockey and like you're looking at him right now like it's a like he's a completely different player he looks so much more 
uh, engaged on top of the puck. He's looking, he looks so much stronger in his own end, uh, especially on the PK like that. And that's what we've been, that's really just what we've been looking for all season is from a guy, especially from a guy who's going into next year, the first year of a contract that's going to pay him a lot of money for seven years. Like that's the, uh, that's what you want to see. If you, if we're getting that, the player we saw tonight, every like for the majority of the next seven seasons, it's a lot harder to take issue with that contract. Um, and yeah, he's, yeah, he looked so he looked, he looks light years better of late. And like, and yeah, again, like the PK has been the big thing there where suddenly the penalty kill is, I don't know, elite, would you say? I, I think it's, it's getting close. It's getting like with there. All the short, with all the shorthanded goals they're scoring. Like there's, that's, you know what, that we got to talk to the NHL about changing the way they score the penalty kill, like the what your penalty kill percentage is. It should be based on, it should not only be based on do you kill the penalty, there should be extra points deducted if you score on your own on, on shorthanded. I like that. Uh, if you're just joining us, the Canucks win 5-2 against the Ottawa Senators, fourth consecutive win. Um, I see there are 32 of you in the chat with us. I hit like if you haven't subscribed yet subscribe make sure you go follow at sdpn sports go follow lachlan at lock in the crease um we are gonna you know what stood out to me tonight was even just looking at the score sheet and you you mentioned earlier that um neil zaman's goal was a gorgeous goal but also sheldon dry scored his 10th goal of the season like that's not that's some secondary scoring that is nothing to sneeze at and if you if you had told me at the beginning of the season that Neil Zaman would make the impact he had, that Sheldon Dries would have 10 goals, that Phil DiGiuseppe would have that breakaway that actually was tantalizingly close. I would have laughed. Like, the Canucks' third and fourth lines have looked also significantly better in the last last little while. Yeah, I think the, like, the, you can't, you can't argue that they've definitely looked like the, you know, under Rick Talk at the structure has looked a lot better, especially for those bottom lines. And yeah, it's, 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 it, it's great to see the Canucks finally getting the supporting cast scoring that they've been looking for, for a long time. It's not necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily enough to make them a, a like a contender by any stretch, but it's, it's the kind that's uh, it's, it's, it's definitely closer to what you need. Cause you look at like all the, t- you look at teams that are like constantly in the playoffs. like, look at the team that just clinched a playoff spot on March on March 11th, the Boston Bruins, right? Like that team has the depth scoring has a scoring where, you know, if Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak and Brad Marchand aren't scoring, they're still getting it regularly from the other three lines down the middle. Like that's why they like, uh, it- are the fastest team in NHL history to clinch. Yeah. Like, <laughs> unreal and you know we're not saying the canucks necessarily need to get to that level of of oh no i think they should i mean i mean i think they should they should but like it's not necessary that's not necessarily that's easier said than done i think uh for hence why they're the first team to ever clinch this quickly um but i i i do think that like yeah this is the kind of things you look for and one of the things that I really hope for when the Canucks brought in Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine from Pittsburgh is that we'd see kind of closer to what the Penguins got. Cause the Penguins were very good about finding those guys who you've kind of never really heard of. And then all of a sudden you put them on a team with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and suddenly they could score 
15 goals a year. Uh, Sheldon Dries has been a huge breath of fresh air on that front. He's he's like, yeah, he he's he's not maybe not not necessarily like showing that he should be a regular NHLer per se. I think there's still a lot of work on that front to go. But in terms of like from what he we've seen from him this season, like yeah, like holy cow, they're getting so many more. Uh, they're getting so much better contribution from those guys. Yeah, it's been it's been fun to watch, even while the rational part of my brain is like, why do you keep winning? <laughs> I mean, yeah, like it's one of the it's one of those. It's like again, very much a you know, this really would have been helpful in I don't know October, <laughs> November, yeah, before before the their fate their fate was sealed. Uh, <laughs> I think if you dig up one of the first shows you and I did together of Game Over, we talked about how the Canucks start to the season was like this team is not as bad as its starting record was or even the first half of the season was like, that's why it was confusing. It's like, yeah, I didn't think you were going to be good. I just thought you'd be kind of mediocre to average, like playing for a wildcard spot. And I think we both said at the time, like they are eventually the most frustrating thing is we're going to have to suffer through this misery first half and be like, get everyone on board to tank, get, get everyone on board to be like Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, like it's on the board. Let's just go for it. And then right at the end when it doesn't matter anymore. And even like the biggest tank holdouts are like, okay, fine, let's do it. They will win their way to the mushy middle. And I feel like that's exactly what is happening right now. Yep, that is it precisely what has happened. I honest I will say I honestly I didn't see I I don't think I saw this coming this time around. Specifically just cuz I didn't think that the coaching change was going to give really much of a boost uh to what they're to what they're to what they're doing. Um but I mean it's clearly it's working right now. I mean and- I, I think it was coaching change. Plus Demko coming back in way better form than he started the season. Yeah. And also an extremely friendly schedule. Right. I there's a lot that's gone right for the that's good. The, the the Canucks have gotten a lot of bounces, and especially in terms of the scheduling. It's a get, but it, it and again, it's just one of those like guys, you really need to figure this out in the first 20 games rather than like at the very end when it's already too late. It's, it, it, I've never, it's, I've never seen anything like it. A team that is so good at winning when it's absolutely way too late. Like it's like, there, it's like, you're already out of the playoffs. There's no way you're making it this time around. Like last year, there was maybe a chance like you were there, and whereas this year was like, okay, the Pacific division is not very good. You, if you, if you start the season at a decent clip, you could probably yeah. jump through and maybe get into that. Especially this season. I picked them. Yeah. I picked them to make the, I think I picked them to as like the first wild card, I think in the Pacific uh, or in the, the Western conference. And of course they started out so terribly that it doesn't matter anymore. Like it's too late. And that's, and that's the bummer here. Yeah. KCY says, I feel like a bond villain watching the Canucks escape defeat after defeat. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dr. Doofenshmirtz for any of you Phineas and Ferb fans, like he just keeps coming up with new innators that always have a self-destruct button uh, just sitting there. And it's like, why do I design these with them? Why do I design these with a self-destruct button? I don't know why I keep doing this. And he does it again anyway. 
Uh, Buyasha says, to be honest, though, Talkit just seems like a much better coach in terms of structure and clearly it works, which is why those bottom line guys are buying in and producing more. And I think that's that's what we touched on earlier with um, Sheldon Dries getting 10 goals and and those those bottom lines producing way better and playing way better than we thought they were. Yeah, I do. Also, I will say I don't like I I wonder how much of it. Uh, again, because remember, this happened last year with Boudreaux, right? Like the, the pretty much the same thing happened uh, when they made the coaching change over from Boudreaux from uh, from Travis Green to Boudreaux last season, which, God, that feels like a decade ago now. Um, Dude, firing Boudreaux say, feels like a decade ago. Yes. Yes. A thousand percent. I will say that I think I I I I hazard I, I hazard to say that like talk it's coaching has made the team is what's made the team like light years better so much as it is the okay we know who's coaching us from here on out right because when you know the coach is on his last like his last stand here regardless of what you do it's kind of hard to focus on winning games at that point right like the Canucks kind of knew more or less that Boudreaux was toast by what uh november november early november mid november at the latest at the latest yeah so and it's hard to really like yeah get yourself up to play a good to play an exciting hockey game when you know your coach is about to get canned in the is about to get canned or or in some cases uh dragged into the public square for about three months um and yeah when you suddenly when that when that like depressing stress is off your shoulder, suddenly it's a lot easier to come to the rink again. Even if like, you know, I'm not saying that talk it's uh, changes shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be under like um, uh, taken, like taken for what they are. But like, I do wonder like how I do want to wonder at like how much of it is really to do with the coaching so much as it is the, that, that huge weight coming off the player's shoulders. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, do you think Rick Tockett systems are that much different than Travis Green's? No, uh, thing, I really right? don't. Like... That's the big thing for me is I really don't think that what I think what we're seeing is very similar to what we saw with yeah. Travis Green, and I and which which is very funny in hindsight. Like it does make you almost wonder, like if um, if Rutherford had been in charge to make the initial coaching change, would Travis Green still be here? Like that's, it's, 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 it's an interesting thought exercise, but as far as like, yeah, what, what talk it's doing, I really don't think it's much different from what Travis green was doing before. Maybe just a little bit more playing like the top guys, but like, even then, like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Um, if you're joining us now, the Canucks win their fourth consecutive games, beat the Ottawa senators five to two. Andre Kuzmenko scores two goals. JT Miller has yet another shorthanded goal. Um, we are going to continue the Rick Talkit talk into our third segment, and we're going to play a game called "What Is Rick Talkit Doing," <laughs> which is again a very weird thing to do after a win. And you know, you can make of that what you will. But tonight, uh, Quinn Hughes played twenty-eight minutes and forty-six seconds. Elias Pettersson plays twenty-four minutes ten seconds. JT Miller plays twenty-two twenty-two. Thatcher Demko plays his fifth in the last fifth out of the last six games. Um, when Rick Tockett first started and he was playing Artur Silovs and, you know, Riley Stillman was leading in time on ice 
and all that. I said, Rick Tockett understands the assignment. And now with, with the minutes that we're seeing, the calls that we're seeing, and frankly, OEL just being held out of the lineup, I don't think Rick Tockett understands the assignment. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting that interesting how so suddenly, you know, after the Canucks spent a first round pick and a second round pick to acquire a defenseman who has yet to play a single game, uh, the Canucks are suddenly uh, really trying to win a lot of games. Um, OK, so here's like the thing. And you and I talked about this before the show. And I've talked about this as recently, like, again, this is, again, I feel like I'm living Groundhog's Day with this team a little bit. The, the biggest, the, I said last year, uh, many times after the, the Boudreaux boost back then, that the worst possible thing that the Canucks could do is try and go all in on this playoff push because they think that they're good again. And in doing so, they overplay Thatcher Demko to the point where he gets injured and suddenly they start next season in worse shape because they lost their goaltender to start like late in the season and he's not fully healed up by the time it's uh, the regular season starts. And sure enough, like clockwork, that's exactly what happened. They completely uh, tanked their lottery chances uh, They and mi still missed the playoffs and injured Thatcher Demko because they overplayed him in the, in the last month and in the last like two months of the season. And uh, he came back ice cold. He looked way worse off and the, the Canucks lost a bunch of games right out of the beginning of the season. And right now I feel like we're seeing the exact same problem playing out in real time with Rick Tockett and specifically Quinn Hughes, where I'm looking at him playing almost 30 minutes every night in a meaningless game in the middle of March and like putting aside all the like obvious, like the tank, Oh, this ruins the tank thing. They're not going to make the playoffs part. I'm just looking at this as a complete carbon copy of, Oh my God, they're going to injure Quinn Hughes to, and he's going to not be ready to start next season. And they're going to start ice cold again. And that's like, that is it's a huge red flag how much they're playing these guys in these meaningless games to me. To be, to be fair, I think Rick Tockett said they are playing meaningful games in his book. <laughs> oh, boy. Which is very interesting considering he started his time here saying that this is an extended training camp. Yeah, that, that changed real fast. And mm. uh, Tony yeah. Smolak says, Tony, Tony was, uh, for, for people who are who are regulars at game over. Tony was very anti-tank and Tony is one of the people who I pointed out all the anti-tank people finally embraced the tank and then they decided to start winning. <laughs> and so we are now all at a crossroads about what is happening. Yeah. Like I'm like, I know some people are like, they like, I, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be playing. Like, like I, I know a lot of people, but I know there have been like, you know, some takes going around of like, oh, they should be, they should be shutting down players at this point. Like they should be, they should find reasons to shut down other players. And I'm not like suggesting they go that far, but I would just like, it's like, you could just, you can really just roll four lines and see what happens. Like there is, 
zero need to be playing Quinn Hughes this much. And like, I get that, like from certain points that they're like, okay, like on the power play, for example, like I get wanting to play him in all the power play time you want, because that's the kind of uh, like time and structure uh, that would really help you going into next season. But if you're going to do that, like if to like tonight, for example, I believe he played eight minutes on, on uh special teams or at least on the power play that means then cut back is even strength time. Yeah. Like, please in a game not- that in a game they were dominating, like somebody else yeah. made the point in the chat, Josh Watkins says they were arguably dominating tonight. Why was he playing so much? Like, yeah, this was a perfect game for them to roll four lines and not overplay their top players. It was, it wasn't necessary. Yeah, it was it's completely unnecessary. Like there is no reason why like Vasily Podkolzin should be playing eight minutes. Why Vitaly Kravtsov should be playing eight minutes. Like the, like it, there, it, it boggles the mind that this is the kind of like way they plan to run the rest of the year because, because man, you are setting yourself up for a real, for a, a potential disaster where again, you've over, you overtax your players they are when you're fatigued you're the the chances of you getting uh of you get of an injury go up so quickly and again suddenly it's like well you've tanked your lottery odds and you've injured your play your two your best players that you need for next season to potentially make the playoffs which is what you insist you're ready for and it's like it's like again it's it it just feels like a scenario where they're setting their sub up for failure next season already just by the risking the long-term health of their players right now yeah i i absolutely agree with all that i think that you know if you look at the schedule they've got anyway and the players they've got who are young exciting untested this is actually Tockett's original plan of an extended training camp is what they should be going with like let these younger players untested players play i'm not saying like I'm not saying shut down Demko or Miller or Hughes or Pedersen, like play them a regular amount of minutes, but you don't need to load up on them. And, and it just, it makes no sense to me. Um, I want, I want to do a couple minutes on uh, OEL because Peter, Peter Wynn says team tank, RIP date of death, March 11th tank commanders. We appreciate your service. Um, (laughs) You made a great point before we came on, and that is that taking OEL out of this lineup has actually made this team significantly better. Yeah, like, uh, like I don't like it, it was. It was funny when he got injured. Looking at the the defense, which right now is Hughes, Burrows, Juleson, Breezebaugh, Myers, and Willannon. And going like, oh god, this like like you look at it on paper, you look at it, and you're like, wow, the the tank is about to roll out in full force. And weirdly, it's gotten much better. And it's one of the, it. It's really alarming. It's 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 not just that it's been like marginally better. It's alarming just how much better the defense looks with say a Noah Juleson out there than Oliver Ekman Larson, which is very concerning uh, for a, to say about a player who you have signed for the next, what, four years after this? Five years? At an insane amount of money? Eight, eight, 8.25 before the, without the retained salary. Yeah, it is. It's one of those, you really gotta, you, if you're the Canucks god, you you really, I and I hate to say it because again, Oliver Ekman Larson by all accounts is a very nice guy. And like, 
it but it's clearly it's got clearly gotten to a point now where the uh, where he is clearly not one of their six best defensemen at this point which is like deeply concerning yeah yeah you yeah Josh Watkins in the chat says it's shocking how OEL's absence has been either not noticeable or a noticeable improvement the Canucks under this since OEL got hurt I believe the Canucks are four and one or like close to that I think I think I think it's four and one right so far uh, without Oliver Ekman Larson on the blue line, which to be fair, let's be like, let's be fair here. That also happens to coincide with Thatcher Demko coming back. So that also can play into it, but the defense has clearly looked better as well as how, as Demko doing is doing his duty. Yeah. Uh, and Jim yeah, Rutherford, it's... this is the line I harped on a lot at the beginning of the season when he said, uh, the defense is certainly adequate if it's healthy. It turns out it's better than adequate <laughs> yeah. when it's not healthy. Yeah, and again, this is coming after they traded Luke Shen, who was a good, who was doing pretty well, like yeah. he, who is clearly good enough to uh, uh, to warrant Toronto picking up, up for a third rounder. Like, yeah, it suddenly again, it suddenly yeah, when they're not healthy, they look better. Um, the problem is really like it's again one of those like like if OEL was making what. Uh, two million a year like we wouldn't be having this conversation at all but it's the fact that he makes the most out of everybody that's a thing though right like that's always been the connects issue even with jt miller and people harping on him this season it's never really that these players aren't adequate or like living up to expectations it's just that for whatever reason they keep getting these contracts that they are deeply clog- concerning yeah they keep clogging up their their cap space to, for uh, for the pl- for players like yeah. a couple players yeah and yeah like i like i know people are like thinking about like oh you know are they gonna buy out oel like i mean under the current structure that they're going you can't like you just can't you cannot afford to have his cap hit on your to ca- ha- to have it to pay him to not play for you like as far as your cap space is concerned for the next what seven years eight years something like that i think is the buyout calculator yeah like you your only option really realistically if you're indeed set on going for the playoffs year after year is you kind of have to go to him and be like hey uh can we can can, any chance you're (laughs) allergic to your equipment and we can send you to roby da island for the next four years just just a little marian hosa issue yeah yeah like yeah like that's kind of it like you have to kind of you have to find a scenario where essentially you can uh, you can send them to the to Robbie Da island as long until the arizona coyotes are ready to launder that yeah. contract like that's 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 your only option at this point because again like yeah you cannot have that like for all the like issues people for all the complaints people had about the luongo cap recapture thing it's like you can't do well you can't do exactly that for the next seven years willingly like that's where that's that's your only option like this is really the only option with oel at this point oh man um okay canucks win five two over the Sens. last comment of the night tony smolak says instead of being choked that the canucks are winning how about giving the evil eye to teams they've beaten i expected so much more from the opposition you know yeah. what that's 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 fair like i don't feel Ottawa like doing? i've been being choked the canucks are winning i feel like i've been like 
uncharacteristically positive the last three shows I've done. Like, I don't even know who I am anymore. I'm like, oh, I'm actually enjoying this. Uh, don't you just love a good existential? The Canucks uh, are great at giving existential crises. Like, I think I like... may have just reached the point where I'm like, yeah, you know what? I knew they were going to do this. I knew they weren't actually going to tank. I knew they'd be in the mushy middle. And so I, I give up on a rational plan. I just, I give up. I will it's just... Almost... It's almost comforting. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> yeah. I was right and they're winning. What could yeah. what could be what could be yeah. wrong with that? I think I commented uh so I commented on uh the uh when you did the episode with uh a friend of the show Rashma Marzade that That was unnaturally um, positive. Yes, that uh I have reached the the John Boyce level of like of uh un- of like uh zen with this hockey team. Where like I I have gotten to the point now where it's like I don't really care if they win or if they lose I am on the side of as long as I get good stories out of it this is this is what I want because like if uh, if you for for those of you who have never watched the the incredible documentary uh, done by a YouTube channel called Secret Base that goes into the history of the Seattle Mariners which if you go and look at it there are so many parallels to the Vancouver Canucks in there uh in terms of just like how their story is gone and like their their team history is gone one of the things that they talk about in that is how the how despite the fact that the the mariners have never been to a world series you can't look at their story and be like oh this is an incomplete story like and that's kind of the crux of it and the 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 line he uses is that the seattle mariners are not are not competitors they're protagonists and i think that so beautifully and I think that so beautifully sums up the Vancouver Canucks where hockey just kind of happens to the Canucks. Like they're not playing it. They're just, they're just experiencing it. That just blew my mind. Cause yeah. that's actually <laughs> so accurate. I, I think it's, I think it's the per like, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, this is the perfect analogy for the Canucks. And I use it all the time because I love it. I, I it really, it really is like, it's incredible. Like the, some of the stuff you get out of, uh like the Canucks story like the Canucks like history and everything like look back on like so many different weird things that have happened to the Canucks over the years like a puck bouncing off a stanchion to win a to win a to win a series a playoff series like in the 70s people like streaking on the ice like there's a like a the Canucks history literally starting with like a lottery wheel to decide who got the first overall pick like there is the list goes on like this is this is the Canucks at their finest and like we're get we've gotten a lot of those kinds of weird moments out of this year too. Like so the, many, yeah, so like many, it, yeah. Like the the like the banana the but Andre Kuzmenko would be a perfect uh, Dorktown subject. Uh, just like the banana and Pepsi thing is fantastic. Like I'd hey like I um I think John Boyce has said that they never will do a a, a hockey Dorktown because uh him and like the people there they just don't know enough. Yeah. About they just don't know enough about hockey to talk about it. And listen, guys, if you play your cards right, I can't say I won't do a Canucks Dork. I can my own version of a Canucks Dork Town at some point in my career. Uh, like I would love to definitely do that. I, I would love to. And it, and honestly, it's it's I'm not kidding. It is on the list. I would have to get permission to do it, but I would love to. I'm gonna start like harassing David Quadrelli. Oh, please do. Just for this. I will bully David until he lets you do it. See, I thought you, honestly, I thought you were just going to stop there and be like, I'm just going to harass quads every day for, just because. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> just because, hey, what you just, doing? Just like, for the entertainment of it. Just for the entertainment value. <laughs> um, Avery says, can't wait to see what April brings to the Canucks. Might find out Jim Rutherford is actually three raccoons in a human suit. No, that's Ken Holland, Avery. That's just True. Ken Holland. Yep. Mm-hmm. That is Ken Holland. That is, that is Ken Holland. Like looking at, mm, or uh, sorry, I would honestly, I would say that was, uh, or Chuck Fletcher <laughs> until he got fired. Yes. Like, uh, yeah. Looking for, hmm, what what sort of problematic person can I trade for today? <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> all right. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you again, Lachlan, for jumping on. Canucks win yeah. 5-2. Uh, they are playing next. I should know this, but I don't. They are playing, they... Uh, they are playing uh, uh, on Tuesday against Tuesday. Dallas. Ah, Dallas beat the Kraken tonight. Miro Heiskin I... in an overtime. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there we go. I just so have it's funny. I just so happen to have like the Canuck dog calendar sitting next to my desk here. That's and awesome. You know who is you know who's the cover the cover boy for March? Who? It is Luke Shen and his dog oh. Griffey. Oh. Uh Luke Shen's Oops. wife had their baby. Uh congratulations to the Shens. Congrats, congrats and he is Shens. now on his way to Toronto. That's fantastic. That's yeah. so great. And on that note, uh, have a great Saturday, everyone. And we will see you on Tuesday. Kaya is going to be hosting the show. Awesome. Bye, guys. Bye.